Welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small business owners who are getting the move on. And our guest this week, well, it's a digital document processing company that knows how to exist. This is Small Business Celebration. Welcome, where we chat with real business owners who have real success and learn from them about what works, what doesn't, and who want you to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train. Join us where you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is Jim Damien, the founder and CEO of Strio. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Michael, thank you for having me. It's awesome to be with you this morning. And for visionaries who don't know who you are, who are you, and what is it that you do? My name is Jim Damien. I'm the founder and CEO of Strio. We're a digital transformation company headquartered in Bakersfield, California, servicing clients pretty much all over the country, and uh, delighted to be here with you and to be with the uh, Visioneer audience today. Well, thank you. First of all, Stria, where does that name come from? Who knows? No, that's <laughs> the, the honest answer, Michael, is, you know, we, when we, we branded the company, we needed a five-letter, we wanted a short name that we could buy the .com, right? Okay. I didn't want to be Stria, the company in Bakersfield, Net. I wanted smallbusinesscelebration.com. Yeah. Now that's a good one. That's a good one. Now if you said really interesting podcast.net forward slash Michael Roberts, then I got a problem. But so it was the only five letter.com I could afford. Um, and we liked it because what stria means, it's like the term striation in a rock, uh, a very focused, narrow channel. And our company, we don't try to be all things to all people. We're focused on this niche that right. we call digital transformation. So we like the name. Google was already taken. So Stria, <laughs> Stria is what stuck, and that's what we've got. Why do you exist? We exist. That, wow, that's an existential you, It there. really is. Yeah. I, I wake up every morning and, and ask myself, why does Jim exist? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that makes one of us. Um, I guess there's two reasons. One, our purpose at this company has always been and will always be to positively impact lives and livelihoods. That's what we strive to do every day. Now, how do we do that? Right. What our company does, we are a digital transformation company. Mm. What that means is organizations struggling with paperwork mm. and think that those forms and those documents should be electronic instead of paper. We help them get there. Organizations that are drowning in a sea of spreadsheets and email inboxes and a, a difficult, highly frictioned way of working, we help them smooth that out. So we help people modernize the way they transact, things like contracts, data management, um, document management, and that's, that's what we do for our customers. What you're saying is that if a business owner's entire company is based on a Google Doc, they should call you. We're happy to take that call. <laughs> and by the way, sometimes a Google Doc is the right solution. Okay. That could be the case. Okay. Um, and many times it's not. I think com companies that are frustrated with how they manage data and mm. documents, we want to have a conversation. Right. Whether that's nationwide healthcare providers managing HR documents mm -hmm. or independent companies generating contracts. We want to have those conversations and, and educate you know, our community on what's out there. And maybe we have something that can help. Maybe we don't. We can't help everybody. But a lot of folks we find are tired of 
the old way of doing business and want something that's mo more modern for their employees and their own customers. Right. Yeah. How much of the product you develop is it entirely custom designed or some of it is off the shelf and modified? How much, how, is there a blend of the two? That's what? a great question. It's really a blend. I mean, if, if somebody can get by with, you know, DocuSign uh, platform and that solves all the problems, we'll help them install that, help them configure it, and they're on their own and we're right. here to help if they need it. There are some customers, maybe about half of our customers, they need something so specific, it's a custom software development. Um, uh, purpose or opportunity and we have that capability um, right. but there, there's some analysis that has to happen up front because the worst thing you can do is you know if somebody wants a really great software program that manages data in a tabular format guess what it's called Excel let's right. make sure you have a, right. but if somebody wants more sophisticated workflow then those are opportunities where we might you know suggest other software programs or even build something custom. How much work do you do that does integration or interfacing in with other companies' protocols and websites or governmental ent entities so that they can interface and still be able to keep that project flow moving forward? Yeah, a big part of our company is about integration, mm. right? Um, there are many companies that have great technology. They have one app that does this, one app that does that. But boy, if those two applications could talk to each other uh, and exchange data, right. then, then you're really saving time and money. And so we spend a lot of time looking at how to make applications talk to each other, nice. for lack of a better word, and stay compliant with those regulations. For example, in healthcare and in finance, they have great systems and right. they work great. And by the way, you can't change how they work because right. they're federally regulated. Right. But you can make that data talk, you know, transfer over to other systems and make systems talk to each other. And you can save an incredible amount of time without building any new software, just making these software programs talk to each other. As you said, that's called system integration. Big part of what we do. So in layman's terms, for the, for the eight-year-old talking in the back of my head, you have the ability to sit there and create a system and a process for your, for your business's employees where they can go through and they can fill out the information that they need and then how it integrates in with governmental agencies or other healthcare agencies or whatever it be, it just automatically takes care of it in the back end. You got it. You said it perfect. Would you like to come do marketing? <laughs> my, my business partners and I, you know, we, what we do is fairly complicated. And so, you know, it, it's a struggle, and I'm sure some of the visioneers out there, the two-minute elevator pitch, the, those days are still here, but you, it's more complicated than that, you know? So right. you have to be able to tell a story, like nationwide company with a bunch of HR documents, how do they manage it? Okay, people can kind of get that. But you said it great, so we're gonna re-listen to this and <laughs> take your ideas, Michael, that was good. You know, all I ask is that you give me credit for the first two times, and from then on, it's yours. Okay, good deal, <laughs> you've got a deal, you've got a deal. But as far as the development of all this, you've actually created an award-winning app. We did, we did. We've, we've, we've created some apps that uh, have not won awards, some that have, and many that are just making a, a life easier for people. But we did build something, uh, an app, actually was spawned by an a, a employee mm -hmm. who actually had congenital heart failure. Really? And, and he was spending a huge amount of time with doctors, and we said, what can we do to support you and to help you? He says, yeah. Thanks for the time off and thanks for the love and the support. We did our best. And, and he says, but you know, I've got a data problem. And we said, well, what's that? He goes, all these doctors, they want different reports. And boy, managing all this data is a nightmare. And it, right. you know, I'm staying up late at night with different Google Sheets and drives. 
And we said, well, let's solve it. So we built an app called Still Ticking. And what it does, it did win an award. It aggregates data from different healthcare systems and from actually a, a heart monitoring tool, mm-hmm. um, a Fitbit in this case, aggregates it all and creates a PDF you give to the doctor when you go to your visit that answers the questions before they ask them. So it was pretty cool. And it, it helped this, this young man who ended up getting a heart transplant wow. navigate that that process and that system a little more efficiently, and it did win an award. Then they gave us this, you know, it was a large check. When I say large check, it was one of those, like, you hold it up, you know. The number wasn't that big, but it was, it was nice but to win an award. the presentation was big. The presentation was big, and it made us feel great because, right. again, we want to positively impact lives and livelihoods. This was one problem that this person had, and we solved it with a really cool app, and it won an award, and we couldn't be happier about that. If visioneers want to get in touch with you and Stria and find out more about how your business can help their business with their document management, how do they do that? The easiest way is to call call uh, Stria, and the best way to get a hold of us is stria.com, S-T-R-I-A.com. Again, that five-letter.com I could afford 16 years ago, <laughs> that's still the main way we get in touch with people. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you, all of our contact information is there. My personal email, jim at stria.com is there. Um, and and uh, so people can email me directly or go to our website, and we're happy to connect uh, for all sorts of uh, dialogues. Social media? We're on social media. Stria is on Facebook, LinkedIn, all the popular social channels, and we've got some fun content out there, and we love to connect with other visioneers as we uh, expand our, our presence. And if you enjoy Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify, and leave a comment. One of the reasons we're talking with Jim is because of a comment from a visioneer just like you. And when we come back, we're going to talk labor, and more specifically, labor retention for a demographic of the labor market that a lot of business owners are having a challenge with, especially in this current labor market. When we come right back. Spring is here! And so are the mosquitoes. Protect your home and business from disease carried by roaches, as well as from spiders and earwigs by calling the largest locally family-owned pest control business, Oxley Pest Control, at 661-325-2687. Protecting your greatest asset from pests since 1994, Oxley Pest Control is focused on stopping the spread of disease, ridding our community of pests, and keeping you comfortable in your home and business. Call Oxley Pest Control at 661-325-2687 or visit them at oxleypest.com. That's O-X-L-E-Y-P-E-S-T.com and 661-325-2687. And ask about their mosquito reduction plan, a safe and effective way to help reduce the number of mosquitoes this summer. Call Oxley Pest Control at 661-325-2687 or visit them at oxleypest.com today. We're here with Jim Damien, the founder and CEO of Stria, and our visionary question comes from Tracy who asks, we have a lot of low-wage employees. What are you doing to keep turnover low? That's a great question. Um, we do can't, we do look at turnover. It's a it's a problem, mm-hmm. um, but we don't look at it so much as keeping it low. Mm. We keep it correct. Correct. Uh, How so? Well, turnover can be a good thing. Okay. I mean, we try and be. So, what do we do at Stria? We try and be really descriptive and really candid when people come in. We walk them through the job they're assigned to. Then uh. we we give them tours. We have them look and we say, "This is what you'll be doing." 
This is where you'll be sitting. What do you think? It's not a bait and switch where you hear and you see and it's nice and then you get led into a different room and aha, this is where you work. So we try and be really upfront. Right. We do have entry level tech jobs. Mm -hmm. Those can be scanning, data entry. That's where people start. So we show them what that looks like. And we really encourage people to understand the job. That helps with turnover. But the other thing is when people get in and start doing it, if they don't like it, we wanna know. It's right. okay. If you don't like this job, it's not a good fit. No hard feelings. It's not a failure. So we want people who aren't happy here to turn over, right. you know? Um, and so we try and support people as best we can to understand what they're getting into and, and help them see if it's not the right fit to move on. But the single biggest thing that I try and do, we always want to encourage, and that I would encourage other visioneers to take part in, is to allow people to see the big vision. Mm -hmm. What are you really doing? What is, okay, your job is this. How does it play into the whole company? Uh, and so when people see their big, you know, their role in the big picture, it makes more sense. They buy in. Because what, what do people want? They want to, of course, make a living. You can do that anywhere right now. There's right. a lot of jobs. Right. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. Right. So that's what keeps turnover low in our company is people understanding what they're getting into and why it's so important. Because once you have those two things nailed, people are, are here to stay. Is this something that you learned when you started your career as a social worker? Yeah, boy, you know, and the social work industry does a lot of things right. right. And one thing, you know, you really understand the big picture. You know, as you right. said, I was a social worker. I was a child welfare social worker. My job might have been answering the emergency response hotline. Well, I had been trained. It's not just answering the phone and giving people a number to a shelter or a food bank or the police. Boy, we're impacting people's lives. We're there to, to help one little segment of a whole life that probably needs some help. Right. And so understanding that big picture. Boy, that, that's all social work is. So it was a no-brainer for me. That was one thing I had figured out on day one. People want to see the big picture. Right. And we've always been pretty good at that. We've got a lot of problems. <laughs> that, that is, that's something that I think people really understand, you know, the big picture of what they're here to do um, in, in most cases. Why did you leave social work? I loved being a public servant. Mm -hmm. And I loved helping families. I loved helping children. But the bureaucracy, uh. the paperwork, the systems that didn't talk to each other. It made it hard to do my job. I loved being of service. I didn't love the tools and methods. They were too bureaucratic. And so mm. that's when I had the, the, the aha moment to say, okay, it's time to make a change. But you don't have a degree in computer science. I don't, <laughs> I don't. And I wish I did on many cases. Um, but you know, as a social worker, seeing and feeling, there, there were times where I would try to find a case file, right. you know, and you'd go to the file room and there's these big manila folders and you'd see volume one of four, volume two of four, volume three of four, where's volume four of four? Literally be written in <laughs> Sharpie. And I'm going, man, how can this be? We have all this great technology right. that, and I started researching, well, how can I put my documents on a computer system? How right. can I manage the data? So I, self, I was self-taught the technology for one purpose and one purpose only. So I could do a better job as a social worker. Right. So I taught myself the technology. Um, so when I started Stria, I did have a good fundamental grasp of how technology worked because I had taught myself right. that technology and deployed it for the county government. Um, and that's how Stria got started was based on that experience. Who were your first clients? 
My very first client was a large credit union here in town. Okay. Uh, it is now called Valley Strong, okay. but it was Kern Schools Federal Credit Union. Right. They're my very first customer. Um, they're still a customer, and we're grateful for that. But your first target audience was the county. It was the county as an employee. When we started the company, right. we were looking, you know, our big service was we're going to scan your paper and uh, put it in electronic format. Right. And we looked around. We said, who has all the paper? And we talked a lot. Of, we talked to the county. We talked to the hospitals and Kern Schools Federal Credit Union, now Valley Strong. Right. They needed help. Right. They had an opportunity. We happened to show up probably on the day when somebody says, These, the scanning project is not going well. How can we get some help? And they took a chance, and it helped us create a business. But there was another company here in town who's owned by Michael Hansen. A, a former guest here on Small Business Celebration. And at the beginning, you and he were competitors. We certainly <laughs> thought so. We certainly thought so. You know, they, they, Michael Hansen's company, ADS, they kind of did a lot of things with documents. Right. We were trying to get into that business. You know, they're a second generation, third generation company, and right. we're this upstart. And Michael and I had... Um, acrimony at first because we're both pitching similar services to similar companies right we had never spoken but we just knew we'd see each other we kind of side eye each other and eventually the ice thawed we had a lunch to talk about i don't know we were probably trying to steal ideas from each other or something, <laughs> you know and it turned out we weren't competing at all we 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 have created the greatest collaboration probably the greatest professional collaboration that I've had in my life and he's become you know a best friend but at first we thought we were competing we weren't we we're collaborators we just didn't know it and a part of that is because of the mindset you had it at the time and this is something that I've seen a lot of business owners in years two three four five six and sometimes they never quite get out of this mindset that you had that you you that kind of burst your bubble and what was that mindset that you had and, and how'd you grow out of that some days i'm still trying to grow out of a lot of things <laughs> but you know when you well, for me and i think a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and maybe some of the visioneer community when you start a business everything is a threat mm. not enough money not enough customers other vendors you know you kind of think well the world only has so much opportunity. If I can't get my piece, I'm going to be in big trouble. Right. And, and it, it, that's really a mindset that I had uh, the first couple years. And through relationships with people like Michael Hansen, uh, through mentors around town. Like who? You, well, I've, had a, I've been so lucky, Michael, that mm. people have been so generous with their time. Um, Michael's family was great. He and his father. Uh, the Kreiser family, mm. tremendous mentors. My current business partner, Scott Garrison, who's been in business for a little bit longer, was a mentor. Um, so many people around town uh, have just been so giving and collaborative. It's helped me see collaboration is, is, is a good thing. Right. And, and um, looking at the world as abundance of opportunities is, is the right way to go. There's not a, a limited supply of opportunity. Sometimes we lack imagination right. or vision. Not right. the not, <laughs> not the visionaries, not the visionary audience. But those are the, the experiences you have and you kind of go, okay, there's plenty of opportunity out there. You just got to go get it. You got to go find it. And you got to shift your mindset. Because at first, everything's a threat. Mm. You just are trying to survive. And once right. you get through that, I think you start to see it's about opportunity. When we come back, we're going to talk about course corrections. 
or more specifically, the overused word pivot when we come right back. The reason we're talking with Jim Damien, the founder and CEO of Stria, is because of a visioneer question. They came from a visioneer just like you. The visioneer wanted to find about employee turnover and how to fix it. So if you've got a question, you've got a thought, something that you'd like to learn about here on Small Business Celebration, reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and let us know what would you like to learn about? From whom would you like to learn about? So reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. I'm here with Jim Damien, the founder and CEO of Stria, and our visionary question comes from Amanda who asks, it seems like every six months our business has a major course correction in every conceivable department and way. What do you do to create stability in your business? That's a great question. I think the visionary audience is asking fantastic questions, and my answer to that is, uh, we don't. <laughs> we don't. Okay. I mean, I, I, you know, it's a very old adage, you know, the only constant is change. And right. so what we try and do is get people used to and comfortable with the micro pivots of the day. Mm. I mean, we have standard operating procedures, we have processes, we try and give people the margin to focus, but we have the expectation as a service company, right? We're a service company at right. the end of the day. Clients will need things, clients will need unpredictable things, and we have to stay ready so that we don't have to get ready. Right. So we assume that there's going to be little micro pivots every day, and we try and build that into the culture. Um, now, if I may be missing the boat. I mean, there may be companies out there that go, we are so stable, we never get surprised, it's never been easier. <laughs> I, Good I, luck. <laughs> yeah, I, I have not found, you know, I used to hear people say, well, we, you know, I don't have to do anything, I just wait and the, mel the money comes in. Right. Cool. I mean, maybe some guys and gals that are out there like that and figured that out. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. So we've created a service company with a culture that expects the unexpected. Mm. We know the world's an unpredictable place. You know, for Amanda that asked that question, who, who had pandemic on their bingo card right. for 2020? It, nobody. I mean, well, maybe a few people. <laughs> We're not, that's a different podcast. That's a different podcast, a different show. So we try to create a culture where people know things are going to happen. Uh, the only constant is change. And all those, you know, uh, sayings that are just so, we've all grown tired of those, especially after what's been going on in the world. But they're true. Right. And so I think creating a culture of, you know, anticipating curveballs is really important. Embracing those, you know, and not projecting a fake picture that says it's going to be so stable and the, the economy and clients and the world is so predictable. We've got it figured out. No, we don't. And nobody does. <laughs> and if we did, how boring would that be? So we do try and do micro pivots and we try and lean into them. Right. Um, but I think saying we're not going to change and improve. The, the, you know, Amanda says every conceivable department we pivot every six months. Another way to frame that is, that's called continuous improvement. Ah. And so we, we ought to embrace that. That's the way we try to look at it. Because I've tried the other way, say, gosh darn it, I don't want to hear these kind of problems. That's, that's a fictitious world that nobody's living in. Just out of curiosity, did you learn how to deal with this and this, these constant changes by being a triathlete? You know, that's helped. That's okay. helped. I did take on the sport of triathlon about five years ago, and it's, it's very similar to the entrepreneurial journey in that 
You never know what the race day weather is going to be like. You never know if you're going to get a flat tire. Right. And you anticipate and you be prepared. And if, if it, you don't get the flat tire, great. Right. But if you do, you just go, okay. You know, there's this concept I've come across recently. I've really been looking into this. I, maybe you've heard it. The visioneers probably have. Tragic optimism. Tragic? Uh, what's that? And that is, that is this concept that, you know, there's going to be difficult things. In fact, most of life, if we're candid, there's a lot of tough stuff. Right. But there are these moments every day, every project, every podcast that are beautiful. There are those little connections. And so those are what you look for. You know, but I think in reality in business, we have to accept the fact that just like life, most of it's pretty tough. Right. But, but there are moments of beauty that you find meaning in, and that's what keeps you going. As a triathlete, you have to have a team. Somebody has to have your bicycle ready. Somebody has to help you with the gear so you can switch from one to the other. Is putting that team together been one of the formulas that you learned from developing your business here at Stria, or did you, or was it the other way around? You know, I think it's it's uh, it's a combination of both. I mean, for sure, you, you know, I think the biggest thing is you have to you have a plan in business. You have a plan with going to do triathlon. Plans are great, except for when you actually start to do something. <laughs> you, you get know? the flat tire. <laughs> yeah, you get the flat tire. You know, like like Mike Tyson famously said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. I think the same thing is hold truth with triathlon and business. Everybody's got a plan, and then you get out there and you start doing it. And you have to to use you know the word that we use way too much. You got to pivot. Right. Um, so it is it is building the team, and it's also building that mental toughness to go. I'm going to get through it. I've been tired. I've been hurt. I've been broke. I've had too many customers. I've had not enough customers. Uh, to quote another famous uh, fighter, Rick Kreiser, one of your former guests, not a fighter, an entrepreneur. He says, early in my business career, he one time said, you saw, you saw, stressed, you know, year one or two in the business. And he goes, well, Jimmy, my boy, just got to remember, sometimes there's too much month at the end of the money. And that's true. And you find a way through it. You know, you, you, you get creative. And so that, that, that uh, resiliency and that acknowledgement that things are going to be tough uh, in life, in triathletes and in business, in triathlons and in business, that's the, the, the lesson. And that's what keeps entrepreneurs and, and visioneers going. What book do you gift? I gift three. There's, okay. there's, um, it depends on the, what people want right, right? and what, right. What, what the dialogue is. But there's three. That's a great question. I thought about it a little bit. One is... I learned how to swim very late in life, and I'm still a terrible swimmer. Right. But I can swim. I can swim. I learned how. And I, people always say, I could never do that. I could never learn how to swim. And there's this great book called Total Immersion. So when people are going, you know, entrepreneurs especially, I'm so stressed. How, I want to get out there. I want to blow it off. What do you do? And, you know, they look at me and go, God, you're this giant guy. How do you do any of these triathlons? <laughs> well, uh, a guy named Terry Laughlin wrote a book called Total Immersion. So mm -hmm. I give that to people who are interested in either reducing their stress or learning how to swim because it's kind of a unique skill that a lot of people didn't learn, especially here in the Central Valley. There's right. not, we're not by the ocean. Right. We've got sure. some lakes. Most of them you can't swim in. Right. You know? So I give that book away. There's another one called Leadership and Self-Deception, hmm. which is by the Arbinger Institute fantastic book. I'm sure both of those can be purchased through our friend Mike Russo and his great store. Um, there's another one that I give because everybody's stressed, right? Life is stressful. It's called Mindfulness on the Go. And mm. it's this little pocketbook. It fits in your pocket. And, and it's like a 60-second read. Just kind of when, when you're in the eye of the, the hurricane, you can read one of these you know, little vignettes and kind of... And you can do it right in the middle of the day. And so it's a tiny little book. takes 60 seconds. So mindfulness on the go is the third one. So it depends on the conversation I'm having. And uh, for those of us that have a phobia of water, um, I, I'm not sure any book could help. 
Hey, you know what? <laughs> On our next episode, listeners, we're going to be in the pool, in the lake, in the ocean with Mr. Roberts here. We're going to be going. We're going to be swimming because you, trust me, I was as fearful as anybody. Right. And it's terrible, but you do it. Right. You can do it. Right. We'll be out there together. You know, I've always wanted to go uh, snorkeling and deep sea diving, and uh, my wife thinks it's it's incredibly ironic that I want to do that, and I don't even like water. <laughs> <laughs> One of the phrases you just said was tragic optimism, and I love that phrase. It's absolutely wonderful. Is this something that you have given to other entrepreneurs for encouragement over the years or other business owners? Where did that come from, and, and why do you give it out? I'll get a little personal. I, I as you know, uh, I broke my jaw, mm. and my jaw was wired shut. And I, people would tell me, well-meaning people, Michael, they would say, "Hey, it could be worse," or uh, "I'm glad, you know, keep the faith," or "Everything happens for a reason." And I loved those sayings, but boy, they didn't help me at all. And I felt kind of <laughs> worse. So I started, I, you know, I didn't have anything else to do. I couldn't talk. I couldn't right, eat. Right. I read a lot, and. The, the counterpoint to toxic positivity, which is another mm. pop culture term that comes up, is, a, is this term, tragic optimism. And I didn't invent it, I wish I did. It was a psychiatrist from the School of Vienna, uh, you know, along the lines of Freud, who, uh, Dr. Uh, I think Victor, uh, who came up with this term. And the idea is, well, like we were talking about, there, there's so much difficulty in life and in business, but there are those moments of beauty. And that's, that's what keeps us all going. Um, and so that I just I, I stumbled across that term, and I've kind of become borderline obsessed with this term of tragic optimism. And I tr do tell entrepreneurs when there's too much month at the end of the money, or there's too many customers or too few customers. Of course there is. That's life. That's business. But gosh, you're on a podcast today, or gosh, you made payroll, or gosh, you survived the first year. That's beautiful. And so just reminding people that. We get, we, you keep going. That's what you do. It's this thing called life and to try and reframe it. And some people like to hear that and some people don't. But I love the term and I'm, I'm kind of, like I said, I'm obsessed with it lately. If visioneers want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Visioneers can email me, jim <laughs> at stria.com, S-T-R-I-A.com, or go to our website and click on my funny looking face and my email will pop up there. But yeah, I'm an open book and I love talking with entrepreneurs and connecting with fellow visioneers and stria.com or jim at stria.com are the two best ways. Well, Jim, this has been a real privilege. Thank you very much for joining us here on Small Business Celebration. This was fun. I had a great time. Thank you for having me and uh, congratulations on um, all the success of the podcast. And uh, it's an honor to be part of the Visioneer community and to be on the show. So thanks for having me, Michael. Well, thank you. And I'll be right back with my final thought. Spring is here. And so are the mosquitoes. Protect your home and business from disease carried by roaches, as well as from spiders and earwigs by calling the largest locally family-owned pest control business, Oxley Pest Control, at 661-325-2687. Protecting your greatest asset from pests since 1994, Oxley Pest Control is focused on stopping the spread of disease, ridding our community of pests, and keeping you comfortable in your home and business. Call Oxley Pest Control at 661-325-2687 or visit them at oxleypest.com. That's O-X-L-E-Y-P-E-S-T.com and 661-325-2687. And 
Ask about their mosquito reduction plan, a safe and effective way to help reduce the number of mosquitoes this summer. Call Oxley Pest Control at 661-325-2687 or visit them at oxleypest.com today. Organizational Soul. This week's conversation with Jim Damien was a lot of fun on so many different levels. And it started with, he got the dad joke right. He's like the first guest to ever do that. But there were so many other things about this conversation that was enlightening and fun and entertaining and educational as well. And as I was driving home, one thing stuck out at me. So many of us business owners are out there trying to find an organization that we can tie into that not only feeds our business interests, but also feeds our soul. It helps us become better business owners and better people in the process. But we're not always successful in finding an organization that does that for us. So, maybe we have to do like what Jim did. Create one. Create an organization that feeds your heart, feeds your soul, and feeds your business. Yes, it's going to be a lot of work, but who knows? You could also help a lot of other people grow a strong and profitable business. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week with Jim Damien, the founder and CEO of Stria, and I hope you learned something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business, and we'll see you here again next week. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration Podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.